Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today I'm bringing back a guy that always makes a good impression on the audience. You guys always love this guy when I bring him on. His name is Brian Norton. He lives up in Washington State. Uh, he runs a business. He's the guy with Food Forest Farms as a CBD-infused coffee that's in the MSB with a discount. Um, but he's known for so many things beyond the coffee business. He is an expert in the cannabis industry. Uh, he has a, a, a whole business in that. But he's also just a hustler. I mean, the guy is always out trying to figure out, how do I maximize the opportunities while I'm spending my dash? He works uh, doing Airbnb experiences. He has a hip camp. He has a lot of variety in secondary income hustles. Trade shows, you name it, he has been just rocking it. And every time he's on this show, we talk about it. I hear from you know a, a good number of people say, "I got an idea, and I'm going to go do this." And we did this with him at the ramp up of the pandemic shutdowns. Like, and he was in—he's near Seattle. So when we did the the interview, the last time he was on the show, and we did an interview. He was like, "This is a great time." to build side hustles in business. And he was in a place with one of the harshest lockdowns in the United States, and to a degree they still have it there, and he's still hustling his ass off, and he's still making money. He's here to talk to us about a bunch of stuff today. We're going to talk about his new project called the 500 Project for his business. He's trying to simplify his, his coffee business with a, with a membership program. to take 500 people, that's it. 500 customers forever. What a, what a simple but profound business model. We're talking about the trade show work he's doing, cannabinoid and natural foods, following your passion. He went to Float Fest 21, which I really wanted to do, but I couldn't because it, it was so close to my workshop, my spring workshop. I'm definitely going to go to Float Fest next year. He's going to talk about freedom cells, underground railroads, organizing, and more. We're going to have him on in just a minute, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to love this. If you've never heard from Brian before, you're going to love this. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our two sponsors today. Sponsor day number one is Western Botanicals. I love herbs. I have used herbs in my life since I was first exposed to using herbs for medicine by my grandfather. When I was a little kid, I'm talking like seven, eight years old, something like that, somewhere in that range. My grandfather basically cut a sliver off the inside of one of his fingers. It looked like, I don't know how he did it. But it looked like somebody took something like a potato peeler and just took off the skin and maybe two or three layers on the inside of a finger you flip people off with. Who knows? Maybe you flip somebody off and they, they cut him with an eye. I don't know, right? It was a pretty nasty-looking wound. And he simply took some plantain and comfrey leaf and mashed them up and put it on there and just put like a, a bandage around it. And he did that for a couple days. And I watched him do this. And I'm, what is he doing? And, and within just a couple days, it completely healed. And I was like, my grandfather's a sorcerer, you know? And uh, But, you know, he taught me, he says, there's, there's pretty much a plant for everything. And that began my lifelong love of herbs. So when Western Botanicals asked to be a sponsor of this show, 
I was really interested, but I was also like, you know, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in the alternative medicine space. When I looked at what they were doing, no snake oil. Real people that really care about you, they do everything right. If it's, if it's herbal and legal, you'll find it at Western Botanicals. And uh, everything's either organically grown or wildcrafted. Check them out today at westernbotanicals.com. Next up today, bulkammo.com. Um, ammo's in short supply. Bulk ammo still has a lot of ammo and a lot of calibers. I don't see the shortage of ammunition changing any time really, really soon. I just don't. And I think you should get what you can when you can get it. And if that if that ends up working itself out, you'll never be like, damn it, I have too much ammo. Bulk ammo is lightning fast on their shipping. They have a great selection. They have great pricing. Check them out today at bulkammo.com. And they do do a discount program for members of the MSB, so make sure to check for your discount there as well. With that, I am uh, going to start out with a quote today. I thought this would really typify uh, the man we're going to talk to today, Brian Norton. This is a, a quote by Chuck Knoll who played for the Cleveland Browns, but is best known as one of the greatest coaches in the NFL of all time, back when the NFL was about playing football instead of being woke. And, of course, he coached for my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And one of his best quotes was really succinct, seven words. Good things happen to those who hustle. We live in a world today where people call success privilege. They call success privilege. Success comes from hustle. Success comes from saying, hey, no matter what, I'll figure out how to make something for myself. That's what Brian and the stuff he's going to talk to us is all about today. With that, hey, Brian, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jack. I always love being on. Yeah, I I, I didn't realize until... uh, this morning when I, I got set up to call you, and you didn't answer, by the way, but um, the, it's actually been over a year since you've been on the show. I, I was actually surprised by that because I said during my intro segment that we started talking about a lot with starting up businesses and how great a year 2021 was going to be, and 2020 would even be, for people that got out and hustled. And, and, and obviously it was early in the pandemic when we did that. If it's been more than a year and we're looking at May 19th today, but I bet you, dude, I bet you there's people in the audience that go, I don't know what a Brian Norton is. I don't know who a Brian Norton is. Didn't hear your previous interviews. Um, give us a little bit of your background, man. Just tell us, who is Brian Norton? Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, I'll try to make it a super quick synopsis. Uh, <laughs> my dad was a traveling sales guy that worked his way up in uh, a giant food company, and he was a fixer. I got to watch uh, the the best salesman I've ever seen work from the time I was five. Um, I've been on trade show floors since the time I was like seven or eight. Um, so uh, just being around people and uh, the, just selling atmosphere, um, you know, traveling, uh, seeing the whole, I've lived in Seattle, LA, Minneapolis, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago, built a house in Phoenix, came back here. Um, I join a lot of stuff. I quit a lot of stuff. Uh, I get super bored. Um, I pretty much get in somewhere, figure it out, get up as high as I want, as quick as I can, and get bored, and then I go do something else. Um, so I went through, learned a bunch of food stuff, learned a bunch of uh, restaurant operation stuff, um, got deep inside America's industrial food system. If you ever want to like talk about the backside of that, holy crap. Um, 
So ended up working for the guy. His name's uh, William McAlpin. Uh, he owns uh, Hacienda La Manita. Well, used to before uh, before it got merged into the black hole. Um, but the uh, he, he he, as far as I know, is probably the best permaculture teacher I've ever met. Although he would just call himself a capitalist. Um, but it was set up that whole farm. There's people that never left in their entire lives that I've met. And it was because food literally was growing outside their front door. Like everywhere they walked, there was food. Um, you know, kids played in the street and everybody had a little campfire. I mean, it was, there was no reason to leave. Um, so he made, he made happy place for happy workers to do the thing that made his coffee the way he wanted it. So he could do his thing. It was, it was awesome to watch. So, uh, that's, that's kind of where I got the idea, um, for, for, remember when I came down to your place, I was telling you about all that property I was hunting for and how crazy of a search that had been. Absolutely. Yeah. So literally Candace and I drove 52 weeks, <laughs> at least eight hours a weekend, at least. We saw every property in Western Washington and Western Oregon and a lot of them in Eastern Washington. Um, and we didn't just like drive by, we walked them, uh, mm -hmm. walked up the hill, like sat, observed. Uh, it was, it was brutal, but we wanted a great place, um, on good terms, you know, everything right. So <clears throat> patience is the key. It's the ability to think in the time dimension. If you can set your time priority right, right, you, the deal will come to you if you're patient enough. Um, <laughs> but that had tested us to the end. We it was the 52nd week, and uh, we were going to call it a we were going to call it a year, and uh, just just start again another year. And that uh, was the last place we looked at. But it was end of the road. Uh, five of the 15 acres was south sloping. Um, great neighbors. Uh, uh, history of anarchism on the Long Branch Peninsula. It's kind of the um, Pierce County has the least amount of policing per square foot, uh, I think, of any county in America. And it's the end of the end of the end of the tip with one bridge and one way in and one way out. So um, it, was a, it was a great spot. Um, so the uh, yeah, so then we got the 15 acres, right? And it was eight foot tall blackberry of death. You couldn't <laughs> literally get off the road to even look. Uh, I, I saw the first, I saw the last corner of the property uh, four weeks ago when my new neighbor Sergio, uh, well new to me, uh, brought his excavator over and helped me bust all the way out to it. Um, then I paid for a survey and the survey guys got out to it. So yeah, it uh, it took five years for me to find the corner. Um, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> so yeah, you got, uh, that's right. You got impenetrable earth surfaces. I got razor sharp eight foot blackberries of death. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. So, uh, so, okay. So I talked to you early in 2020 and if you go listen to that interview, you can hear my voice is thrashed. Hmm. I have that, that. I think I had Corona when I was talking to you cause I, uh. I, I never, I don't get sick ever yeah um, and i had had some crap for like three weeks and that was the end of it um remember and we had talked about it just starting and yeah. i participated in that fucking hoax of setting up the testing center that didn't exist yeah yeah um, oh my god <laughs> then the death then the death like threats and then the calls to every fucking state agency you can think of oh yeah it was all last year was a year um <laughs> 
So, yeah, yeah. So I had to, like, duck down and quit telling the truth. Um, but it didn't matter. So at Christmas time, it was the end of 19, I had that vision that was go back to the music, work with light. So <clears throat> it was the first year we were not going to have kids in 20 years. So we bought fish tickets to tour all summer long. <laughs> I was just going to hang out, make grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> do it. And uh, and then the shit happened. So everything went sideways. Uh, just, you know, my, like, little, uh, all my, like, all of my side jobs that make up the 10 income streams went away except the coffee, basically. Um so that got interesting. Uh, Bob and Weave a little bit. Uh, joined DoorDash so I could, like, run food around, um, you know, and then I could get pictures of the hospitals that were empty, too, because nobody was there. Um, but the uh, – so anyway, the whole vision of go back to go, – go to the music and work with light. So we have a family friend who owns a big, huge production company. I sent him an email unanswered. I'm somebody else who's in a pretty big band that could, like – I offered to apprentice myself for free for a year to whomever so he didn't answer back either um and then it turned out uh um it just kind of you know the year went on and then i was just fighting at live and surviving um and then fall came it was november and uh thanksgiving day or was it day after thanksgiving Inslee locked down the whole entire state he came out with the super duper extra strict whatever the f they said i don't even pay attention so <laughs> I went on freedom cells and just ranted the day I was like, I woke up that next morning and I was like, Oh no, you can do whatever you want, but we are going to throw the biggest effing party you've ever seen. So uh, I forgot. Yeah. So I bitched on freedom cells and this guy, Mikel, uh, Miguel Duque popped up, you know, he's like, hell yeah, we're in, let's go. Um, so him and I kind of started organizing it and another four or five people kind of showed up. Um, in, in six days, we put together like over a hundred people in a giant black, we promised nothing except blackberries and we are going to burn some shit. That was it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, uh, no mass, no nothing. I mean, at that point people had been like, Washington was, it's still crazy town. They're jogging with masks on a yep. park still. It's, yeah. it, oh my God. So we needed to, we needed to, a break. Um, so yeah, that was, uh. That was a great weekend. Um, a lot of people rented like nice Airbnbs. All you know, there's there's nice places to stay too. You don't have to camp with the crazies. Um, but I have tons of pine trees, so we cut out places for uh, ham. It's it's per perfect hammock camping. Um, so uh, as everybody was leaving, it was kind of like every everybody was you know hugging and hanging out. Gosh, I guess we didn't become a super spreader. Um, they wanted like. Let's do this again, but with a little more purpose. Um, so they they wanted, like, education on, you know, things that they could actually do instead of just talking about crap. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that's kind of when the decentralized uh, Freedom Arts Music Festival, like, I love music festivals. And if I couldn't go to one, then I couldn't – I tried to get – oh, man, so many bands I tried to get to come out here. Um, so – Everybody's afraid to play. Nobody's having festivals. I flew down to Tampa in November just to go see a stupid bar band because f. <laughs> you know, you know what I love um, about you? Like you didn't just adapt to the economics; you adapted to the social. Like 
I'm just not going to take this shit. And I, I just wonder, like, and I did the same thing here. You know, we have a we have a picture from our workshop last fall when everybody was still in their lockdowns and all. And there's like 80 yeah. people drunk off their ass, playing pool, shooting darts, having a blast, you know, in my garage. My garage, we turned the garage into a bar. Like, if yeah. 20% of the people in this country just said, F that, I'm not doing it and taking that approach. How much better off would we be today? And then we want to talk about side hustle business and stuff too. Like, if 20% of the people in this country treated economics that way like you do, how much better off would we be? Yeah, I think I think uh, people are seeing that now, and they're figuring out in the re-putting it back together that they're kind of going to be in charge of themselves. Um, so, you well, know, some are, think, some are, right? Like, um, I know yeah, probably like yeah. me, you you tend not to watch the news very much because it's just brain rotting. But for what I do, occasionally I put it on, and Fox News. F-A-U-X is how I spell it. Fox News was on today with the full court press about how New York City's best days are ahead and it's back and the crowds are returning oh. because it's re you can open your, you're allowed to open your business now, uh, Brian, to full capacity in New York, you know, and you don't have to wear masks outside if you've been vaccinated. And they kept talking about the crowds, the crowds, the crowds. Well, some moron that has to have an IQ of about 37 decided that this would be a really great idea to do this, you know, full port press about how New York City is back, you know, in Times Square and on like, you know, 7th Street, whatever. So they have these crews like doing their little talk show bullshit all over the place in New York City. And it's a freaking ghost town. There's like two guys eating a scone behind them with a freaking mask hanging off their ear or whatever. And they kept talking about the, they kept saying the crowds are returning. And it made me think, if you can remember back to the, the original Iraq war, right, not the original, the second one, right, when Baghdad Bob was, like, out in the streets going, like, there are no Americans in Baghdad. And, like, you could see the tanks in the background. It was that bad. They were talking about the crowds, the crowds, and there's, like, 57 people in Times Square. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Times Square, but if you've been there any time other than since last year, like, there's 57 per, people per square yard, not in the whole damn Times Square. It was insane. And so I think that yeah. we're going to get some people that are going to, like, do what you're saying. I think the vast majority, and I think the more mentally conditioned they were by this lockdown, the less likely it is they're ever coming back. I think there's some people, they're done. They're through. They're, yeah. They are freaking gone. They have been they have been Stockholm syndromed into complete complacency. Did you see the thing uh, in the U.K.? Because they really went full-on government terror warfare against its own people there with, with the terrorism of frightening people. 10% of people in the UK want the lockdowns, not masking, the lockdowns to continue forever. Like that's death yeah. of the human soul, dude. It, it's you know, Oregon, I think, voted the same thing for maskies or something. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it, everybody's self-selecting right now, but the, It's the whole Buckminster Fuller thing, like build a parallel society, right? Yeah. Don't buy yeah. them, just yeah. jujitsu. That's that's what I. So, so this festival, man, I killed myself building it. It was <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I'm 60 days. I just got out there. I haven't watched the TV since I, February. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you have to tell me what's going on. I've just been building stuff in the woods. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it. Uh, Yeah, we so every every conversation I tried to get back to like the permaculture lens of like the problems of solution, you know, figure that shit out, people. Come on, let's like 
we don't need to like dwell in their world anymore. Seriously, like go grab some land, do your own thing. Don't ask permission. Just go do it. In I I don't know. I I I think now that's the only thing I can do is just do my thing, be an example, allow that place to be used for like anybody wants to teach stuff, like have groups out. There's well, okay, get this. Everybody wanted to come out and help me get the place ready, right, for my birthday a few weeks ago. Okay. So all the prepper guys come out. A um, bunch of people bring all their new guns, right, because I just put a range in across the street, and we were going to pop some off. Um, holy shit. I got swept, like, twice in three minutes after we all, like, verbally out loud said, all guns are always loaded all the time. Don't point at what you don't want to destroy. Yeah. Like, I made them say it out loud, and then I, I, I guess, wanted it to be destroyed. Um, so... We decided no shooting at festivals, period. We'll have different shooting days. Let me, uh, let me, let me but, clarify that for people that are maybe uninitiated in the firearms world. Swept is when somebody brings the barrel across another individual. We don't do that. Yeah. I, I teach my, my, like my grandson, you have to treat your gun, any gun, like it has a laser beam, like a lightsaber that's a thousand yards long coming out of it. And if you sweep it across your buddy, you cut him in half. And that's rude. We don't do yeah. that, right? So that's that's what he means when he says swept. <laughs> Please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so um, oh, shoot. Help me out. Uh, uh, you said no guns uh, at oh, the so festivals. They all, yeah, yeah. So they all wanted to come out and help, though, right? Yeah. So I was the, – there's a thousand trees I pushed over with the big X a couple months ago that just need to get dealt with to clear camp spaces. I'm the only guy with the chainsaw. Yeah. Like, the only guy. So I'm like, <laughs> dudes, when the shit goes down – I'm running over to your fancy neighborhood. Yeah. I'm dropping a tree across the front, and now I, you're out of the fight. I get all the shit in the stores. <laughs> like seriously, like you're in a you're in a freedom you're in a freedom cell group, and you're a prepper, and like some you who dropping a tree for your across the road stops you're everything done. you can possibly do. Yeah, yeah you're done. Like, come on. I was like, before we have a target practice, we should at least have chainsaw practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, That's good, uh, though. Okay. It's good in a way because, like, people don't even great. think about those things until they're forced into a situation where they need them. Oh, it's great. And then uh, there was another thing this gal, uh, thing she was going to do for the festival kind of went sideways. So I was like, okay, well, you're here, so you're labor. Um, so <laughs> she started, like, you know, I put her to work. And uh, people aren't used to, like, working. So after the second day of getting her ass kicked, I'm like, so you're online keyboarding all the time about all this warrior shit people are supposed to do. But after 12 hours of working, you're out of the fight for at least two days because you can't walk. Yeah. So she's like, holy shit, I get it now what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah. Like it's, you know, <laughs> you can sit there and type, type, type about end of the world. But, you know, can you walk a block or three? <laughs> uh so, yeah, so I'm down to all action now. Um, it, it was The festival was so fun. Uh, Miguel uh, did your uh, aquaponic system uh, build, some tweaks for apartment dwellers. Um, uh, people taught yoga every morning. Um, uh, two naturalist gals came and uh, did a plant walk and identified everything on the property. I didn't get to participate. Somebody videoed it, so it will be up on my float or uh, Odyssey channels here as soon as I get discompopulated back together <laughs> um uh let's see uh uh perry built a uh, hugo culture bed went in um let's see uh 
Um, we're starting to put a racetrack around the whole outside of the property. We're going to build LED night carts so that we can have uh, night racing through the woods. That is going to be epic. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, so then we built a uh, we built a big. So I watched a two minute video on building a geodesic dome on YouTube. And was like, yeah, yeah, we can do that, but let's build it with wood instead of Amazon plastic crap. Um, so yeah, we got that baby built. It took about twenty people to hoist the, the top parts up, um, and then we held a huge raven at Saturday night. Uh, so that was great, and uh, got to meet all my neighbors. Um, they all they all came down, and uh, they were super stoked that there was a party. And uh, actually, man, all those people. The land is cleaner than when it started, more clear. They didn't leave anything, like nothing. Not a, like, After the first party, I found one Pepsi can. After this giant party, there was not a thing. So, um, yeah, if you've got land out there, people need places to have freedom festivals and learning events. So if you've got a giant farm and you don't mind super friendly people coming and teaching each other stuff, maybe that's what you can do to help Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad to see you doing it. I've, you know, I've been doing it for years, as you know. Nicole Sauce does yeah. it, you know, and I oh, think I that it. I think that what makes what makes it work is, yeah, sometimes we do projects and all, but it's more about the experience for the people. I, I think one of the ways people come at this the wrong way is I'm going to get this big piece of land, man, and I'm going to get people to do all the work for me by running workshops. Like, first yeah. of all, you learn like when you do that, it is oh. good because you get many hands light work, but you also like. There's always things that would have been better if you would have just done it yourself. Like, because yep. there's so many people and you can only stay on it so much. And then, like, you, you're not going to get it all done that way. Like, you'll get a project done here yeah. and a project done there. Like, building these events, you have to build it toward, toward entertainment, education, networking. Like, you have to build it in service yeah. to people. And, and exactly. like, what I think you'll see, based on what you're telling me, is an incredible rate of return and people coming back. Like we'd run these things and we sell out, but 60, 70% of people have been here more than three times. And that's insane. Right. And I, I think that 2020 lit it on fire. Like my and events cool usually, is, my, my events usually sell out in like, you know, a day. We yeah. sold out this year in seven minutes. Yeah, I was like, this one, you couldn't click the computer fast enough. Yeah, it's insane. It was, And I think it's that people are just fed up. You know, They want to go do stuff. They want to have fun. They want to learn. They want to be around people. And uh, so this was a big opportunity this year. If you, if you hit it right, sounds like you did. Yeah, and if you let it grow organically, like we only advertised in alternative, you know, spaces that weren't Facebook or YouTube or anything where there was like the general public Um So the, the the core group from November that was the hell yeah core freedom cell that stood up, you know, all had affiliate friends. And now their affiliate friends that have come are all, you know, everyone agrees on freedom and live and let live. Um, but, you know, even in hippie campville of, you know, it, it, there's like the tech, there was conflict for sure, you know, but everybody was like there with a uh, open mind and like wanting to make things work out awesome. So the conflict that there was, was really easy to diffuse because nobody was there to be a jerk because yeah. we didn't advertise to the general public. Hmm. Right. It was only on loose, the goose, your crew, freedom cell crew and friends of. So that's what everybody like wants to help me. Right. Once you have an event, everybody wants to like, Hey, hello, let me give you a little advice. Um, 
It's like, I can grow things really big, right? But then it involves the general public. It's kind of like my 500 project, right? Yeah. I don't want to involve the general public. I want to deal with cool people. <laughs> and no, there's something I to know. that, dude. You know, we did this no. fall, we did, with staff, we were at 80, and, and we were yeah. like, we can do this, and this is yeah. it. There is yep. no more. There is, it, it, yeah. you lose something when you get too big, I think, with those type of things. Right, right, and then okay, so our so it's it's going to get a lot bigger. It's going to get near a thousand. Um, wow! So we're going to break the camp into ten sub camps around a topic. So like everybody agrees on liberty, right? And yeah. then we'll have like three D uh, printing crypto camp, and then we're going to have like a visual arts camp and like a auditory arts camp. So like. Because when people got there, it's 10 acres is so huge that no one knew where to camp and kind of yeah. camped all mishmashed, right? And yeah. the only conflicts were, like, the all-night rave guys happened to, like, camp near the, like, <laughs> hippie piece of love guys. So uh, whatever, we moved some tents on Friday and everybody yeah. got along great. Right? Yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. But just So, so uh, I tried to do – okay, so this is what I had a little note to myself, right? Your barter blanket is epic, but the first one I tried to – do your butter blanket, right? But I'm yeah. not you. Yeah. I have my way own style. So I, I instead of trying to do that, I knew it wasn't working right, so I just kind of fuck it in the fall. Uh, but the, this time we set up Agora Alley. So everybody put up like little mini trade show booths. Like ah. there was kind of a place for more of them. And then it was like, or put it wherever the hell you want. I put mine by my camp because I like hanging out by my camp or you can come see me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so total decentralization, right? It's like kind of like here's the kind of organizing idea, and you could do it or do your own thing, whatever. And, yeah, you went with more uh, of what, like, what they do at Porkfest, and it's, it's it probably works better. I mean, when we have yeah, a barter sure, blanket yeah. with, with 50, yeah, 60 it's people, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a event. football bat, yeah. man, you know? I mean, like yeah. it's hard to keep great. that many people organized, but I can't even see doing it with a couple hundred or a couple thousand. Like there's no, there's no, no way, so you work. lay it out more. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing we learned is um, for a festival, um, we're, it, we kind of had a uh, we kind of had a schedule posted and people kind of stepped to it pretty good, pretty good. Um, but we didn't mind having things scheduled at the same time because there's so much different interests mm -hmm. that, you know, 3D guy can be doing his seminar while yoga girl's doing her thing. And, you know, the few people that cross over, it happens at different times every day. So that all worked out. Um, but we're going to go 24 hours with the presenters instead of <laughs> just like daylight normie hours. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, we had, okay, so this was interesting. Uh, so, because I would love to teach. I'm a night person, so let it. But everybody do their own thing whenever. Um, we had, uh, so we got Anthony Samaroff to come um, and give a lecture Thursday night, right? And then as soon as Anthony Samaroff accepted an invitation, then we came legitimate as an intellectual exercise also. So the head of the state uh, ethnogenic society decided that she would come out and give a lecture on Friday. Um, so... It uh, and th those were highly attended. Uh, people stopped what they were doing to come out and listen. So, you know, I, I, it can be a giant party too with some serious stuff involved in the middle of it because not everybody's on tilt all the time. You know, so it and I think that's the beauty of having a three day festival. It gives people time to get away from their grind and 
you know, it takes them a day to like chill out and start enjoying the woods and just get out of their routine. So let's uh, let's transition a bit because I think we've we've hit the festival pretty hard. There's a bunch of stuff yeah, we yeah. wanted to talk about. So like some of the oh, stuff sorry. you've done um, in the last year, year and a half is pretty badass. Like, tell us about um, you launched a thing called Trade Show Sherpa. Are, are you crazy? Yeah, you're, you're you're helping people with trade shows in the middle of a pandemic. What's what's up with that? <laughs> it yeah that I mean I launched it like I talked. That's why I that's why we had our last talk was yeah. to launch Trade Show Sherpas. So I would shepherd people into the trade show space and make them awesome booths and experiences. And of course, like there is no business because there are no. Tra- uh, so it exists. I, I, you know, everybody knows that I'm doing it. I'm here. I'm here to help. So it, uh, I took down the website as a whole website. It just, the festival thing's taking a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, but it, it, when there are trade shows, I'm back on. So it's not a, Gotcha. Not a, not a bad deal. And I think um, that's coming back, yeah. you know, like, and, and I think the thing is, like, so now you're ready to roll with it, right? You're, right. you're set up, you're ready to roll because that's going to yeah. be, it's, that might be a booming sector, honestly, by, by like end of summer. I think that yeah. we are going to get to a point where like, you may not be able to do it all over the country, but there's going to be places like, there's going to be like, I think Texas and Florida, Florida are yeah. going to become, convention hubs of the country unless Nevada pulls its head out of its ass, right? Because, yeah, I mean, Vegas like, Nevada's... I hate Jeez. Vegas. I hate Vegas, but the oh, one thing you could say for it is it's well-equipped for trade shows, it's affordable, and you can get there from anywhere on a nonstop flight, right? So that's what they had right. going for them. But if they keep their head up their ass, like, you know, I, I would say, like, if half the people go to Vegas for trade shows and all, only, like... The other half don't give a shit about gambling and all that crap. That's me. Right. Florida, yeah, if I go to a trade show in Florida and go fishing, I'm going to do that. Texas and Florida yeah. seem to have their head together on it. South Dakota seems like a good place, but let's just be honest, it is South Dakota, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's just like, a, you know, like it's hard to get to from a lot of places. It's expensive to get to. The venues aren't expensive, but they're not great either. Like, Christy Nome did a pretty good job there, but it's still South Dakota, You know, my, my yeah. wife's like, I think she's going to run for president. I'm like, her state has less population than the city of Fort Worth. Like, I don't I, I don't see it happening, you know. Uh, so I think Florida and Texas, like, that starts there, and we'll see where it goes. But I think that you're in a good position. Yeah, yeah, and that was the whole thing. I can jump on a plane and go run it from down. Yeah, it's, it's so that, that, that whole thing's still running. Uh, my big deal right now is the 500 project, and I really, like, I'm getting it going. It's starting to get traction, but I want to get it going and I want other people to pick it up and use it to get their thing going. Mm. Um, the, so it came from the thousand true fans, right? And I'm like, man, when you do stuff awesome, you don't have to have a thousand, you yeah. know, because I don't need to be stupid rich. Um, I just need enough to keep building the farm. So if I can interact with 500 humans directly and cut out all middlemen bullshit, um, that is enough coffee business that I can know them. I can, I can know what they like. I can do special things for the kids' birthdays and weddings and whatever, you know, mm. I can do stuff to serve like, uh, um, so basically if you, if you sign up for my coffee club, right, you're one of my 500. As soon as I get to the 500th human that joins the whole thing evaporates and the whole existence of it goes into the ether. We are just a off book club at that point. And, gotcha. You know, 
And then I start a waiting list with a significant increase in the cost to join. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. So then that's my growth plan for the next 10 years is just as people leave, it's an Excel spreadsheet, right? Number 500 bumps his way down to number one if it cycles through, but nobody, nobody's left. Mm. So <laughs> don't wait. Um, the, uh, so yeah. And the beautiful thing is when you, when you join the club, you get me as like your coffee ambassador. So if you need like a zoom call for your kid's school on like a history of coffee lecture, um, I teach brew science. Um, I can talk about all aspects of milling, importing anything. So, um, somebody needed a coffee service for the libertarian state convention. And since he's part of the club, I got out of bed and hauled my butt down there and made it happen for him. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, that's the beauty, right? It's a tribe. You need something, I'll take care of you. I'm going to buy my, you know, I buy my kombucha from him because he's a producer. So I paid for that art for the logo, so I own it. Um, and I do not believe in intellectual property at all, 100% free use. Um, so I made it so that you could copy it and drop your logo over where it says Food Forest Farms. You can put, you know, Jimmy's Tire Change and Service. And mm. I made a little room around the coffee bean in the middle so you can yank my bean out and drop in, like, your beehive or your, I don't know, whatever. Whatever you make, a little tax thing, right, if you're a tax guy or a mm. whatever. Advertise to, like, you know, join the team. I'm going to give you special attention because I'm not going to be advertising for every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the world. I don't want three million people telling me what to do i want 500 and the beautiful thing is right if i move from this random having to make coffee at all times 24 hour fresh out the door beautiful yeah to putting it on if i put it on a day i ship on the 15th of the month every yeah yeah bills go out reminders go out for crypto folks to drop me some coin um but that way if i just if i roast 20 hours a day right i can crank that down into five days and get it done. And then I can literally go on the road for three weeks a month. I can go over to the farm and work to make the campground just crazier. Or uh, this year I'm trying to attend every Liberty Fest that I can get to. Um, So I will arrive on the 20th at Pork Fest. Uh, I'm going to be site 59 right on the main corner going to the pool. Um, I'm setting up a coffee shop, should run 24 hours a day from uh, day the solstice starts uh, through July 2nd. Um, so come see me out at Porkfest or Forkfest. Uh, Thursday night at Porkfest, I rented the, uh, the Disco Dome, hired a pro uh, sound and lighting crew. I'm bringing in a DJ. Uh, we're going to rock. Now there's 4,000 people in that campground. I only have 150 tickets. So pay me in crypto and buy the tickets before I arrive. You probably have a chance to go into that show. Hmm. Um, if you wait till I get set up and have the paper tickets to hand out to you, you might not get to go. Um, and the second show, uh, July 2nd, Friday night of Fork Fest, is a special Crypto 6 benefit show. Um, so five bucks off each ticket going in the kitty for the crypto six. Um, and then we'll have, uh, we'll have the DJ talk about it and have all their logos and, uh, QWERTY barcodes up so everybody can just scan and donate. Um, it's, a it's an interesting case, right? They're, they had, they had Bitcoin vending machines. Um, so they were taking cash for crypto 
uh, without asking a bunch of questions because it was just a changing service. Yeah. But in the indictment, they're getting, you know, the IRS is going after them as if they're, you know, for, for trading assets. At the same time, the Treasury's going after them for screwing with currencies. So, got to you know, pick one, one right? Team, you know? Right. One. one of them will invalidate the other one's case, and yeah. then their attorney's only got to get them off of the one, the other yeah. charge. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they both... You can't have them. both. You, you can't right. have both. So, <laughs> it's in, And the last time those guys got raided, right, they accused them of having child porn. Hmm. They gave them back all their computer equipment and never filed any charges. Yeah. Have you ever heard of anyone getting their computer equipment no. back after the FBI raid? No. You had to be so, wrong for that to have Really, really absolutely provably wrong for that to happen yeah. yeah okay so you know you're over the target when you start taking flack and yeah. since they're flacking these guys i figure they're over the target so let's help them out um it's gonna it's going to help decide this for all of us i would much rather have some brainiacs in the room working for the freedom side and not you know public q defender so if anybody's got any extra Bitcoin or whatever, I know in crash your route today, but who gives a crap? Help these guys out if you can. I'm doing my part. You do your part. We'll do it. So that's all really cool. You also got down to something I wanted to do this year, but it just ended up jacked up right against my workshop, and that was float. Oh, next year float. You, oh, you I'm going. Go. I'm going. It's too close not to. I mean, I can I can drive oh. there, and that means I can bring all my shit, and you know. But oh, tell us about Float Fest. Okay, Float Fest was incredible. Um, it it uh, is on a 150 acre farm outside of Austin, and it looked like a golf course. It was it was beautiful, just perfect grass. They had a couple of ponds on the property. Uh, some folks set up a giant teepee by one of them. Huh. Um, yeah, I I never actually walked. To, I I never found the end of the tents. Um, wow. So, yeah. Well, it, see, I didn't it, get to float the, to float the company F L O T E for those that aren't familiar. F L O T. And you guys yeah. got to get on float if you're not on float. Like floats, like if Twitter didn't suck, it would be float, right? And like so, float dot app. And I didn't know yeah. that they well, were that big. Like I didn't realize they had that much pull to bring that many people together. Oh man! It, uh, they brought in uh, Adam Tripoli. They flew him in. They flew a Vegas comedian in. It was, it's interesting, right? Float runs on Bitcoin. Mm. It is uncensorable. Yep. You can you can say what you want. Um, so my, my technology blows. I don't have a computer. I got an <laughs> iPhone six. That's it. Um, so I drove down there because I wanted to talk to Aaron and Kingsley, who started Float directly. I die. I wanted to see if they if they meant it. So they mean it. They are free speech freaks. Um, so they had their IT guy come over. <clears throat> he fixed my phone all up. So now I can just press one button and my driving Miss Crazy channel goes live on Float and broadcast worldwide anywhere, anytime. So yeah, so uh, and it, it runs on Bitcoin. So if you're putting up great content, right? If I go if I go and set up all my gear and live stream a sold-out concert so you can couch tour, you can kick me down in Bitcoin on the Float app directly. Your account is a Bitcoin wallet. Hmm. That's badass. So, yeah. And then the next step is uh, I need to get a stream catcher so that when I go live out, 
that something is grabbing that stream and then I can upload it to my Odyssey channel, right? And then I'll yeah. catch it. Because right, right now I'm just going live at random places all the time. For Like yesterday I gave someone a whole entire tour of Seattle for like four hours in the car. Huh. That was all live. <laughs> commentary from Chicken Joe. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. So yeah, when I, you go live – see, I'm not familiar with their live streaming uh, really – um, it if doesn't record it, it? Make a notification. it doesn't it, record it, it. No, it's to the ether. It wow. Just, you can yeah, man. If I'm, if I'm, yeah, I, I'm dig saying whatever I want, but if I'm going to put effort wow. in like that, like you're saying with a stream catcher or something, I want it, I want it for other shit, right? Like I can't be yeah, yeah. live streaming on float and then like all that just goes away right because like goes away now I, I know i'm cheap i don't want to pay I, i'll pay man like because i'm just thinking like that would be badass to do my uh my miyagi mornings that way but oh yeah that's exactly how you could do it oh somebody yeah. help jack yeah Thank man you, i man, i need listening to this i need it I recorded when i stream it i i don't know how to do that like um because i've started thinking about running the live streams on odyssey but the the more places okay. you are, the better, right? Like I'm. You're, I wonder if you can use like Streamyard, Streamyard, and MultiStream. Then you know. Yes, Streamyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MultiStream. That's what he was telling me. Okay. I was gonna have to pay the MultiStream, and it catches it. If yeah, I just I try to I just try to use freeware and open source. Yeah. So, you know, hey, the more the more the more blocks, the more elegant the design. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, so so the 500 project just uh, everybody start hashtag 500 project hashtag the 500 project. If you are a producer of anything, go steal that logo and start using it for yourself. Let's get this thing rolling. Then that you know, then anywhere you could just search the hashtag and find, find people locally using the model. Direct. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've talked about the Thousand True Fans model forever, like all the way back to, I think, 2011. Um, and it's a great model, but, like, there's there's a reality to that model, and it's, it makes sense to kind of chop the number in half. And so let me explain it for people that maybe aren't even familiar with the original concept. It came out of the music industry, and, like, you can, if you're good as a musician, you can make a living as a musician. Period. End of story. You don't have to go to Nashville or L.A. and be you know a top forty artist to make a living doing music. I have a, a guy that I, I've had play here several times. Um, he's he's really really amazing guy, and he plays backyards. He plays parties. He plays restaurants. He plays clubs, and just by hiring him, um, I know he makes a good living because when I'm hiring him and I'm paying him five hundred bucks to play for two hours at my place, and he's like, I need to play late because I have a show before yours. Well, I just I know he just <laughs> made a grand that Saturday, right? Like, I know he did yeah. because I know I'm getting a good deal. I know I, he either got more for that one or the same, yeah. right? So you can make a good living, you know, making a hundred grand a year. Well, he's only got to play two days to do that with that, right? So you can make money as a musician. The Thousand Trues fans model came out of that, and it was basically a guy that understood music, and a guy that understood marketing and long tail in search engine optimization, which is where people like me made all our money in the early days of the Internet. We realized, like, cell phone was going to be almost impossible to get ranked in Google for, but cell phone service Sheboygan, Illinois, right, boom, we could just take that shit. So we just got thousands and thousands and thousands of long tail terms 
ranked on various pages and pulled that traffic, sold with it, redirected it, used it for advertising, and we made tons of money doing it because we went and instead of the, the big stuff, the first, like top 10 search terms, we took all the little ones and that actually made more. So he took those two concepts, pushed them together and said, if you're a musician, all you need is a thousand true fans. And a true fan is somebody that will spend one day's wages per year, which is not that big of a sacrifice if you love something, right? I mean, it's pretty easy. So a podcaster, a musician, like this works perfectly for because we have no cost of distribution. And we could sell really cheap, right? We could get a membership. We can sell a membership that, get, that saves you $500 a year for 50 bucks. And if I sell 100 memberships or 1,000, Cost me the same money to deliver that. So it makes a lot of sense in the anything you can transmit electronically, a song, a podcast, an ebook, right? When you get into physical product, you, you have to operate at significant margins for that to happen. And so you can cut that in half. And if you want to make the same money relative to the program, all you have to do is get two days wages per person. Well, if you're selling coffee, dude, I mean, yeah, it's good a, coffee's cool. not cheap, right? And people go, and people like people bristle sometimes, like sixteen bucks a pound or twenty bucks a pound for this coffee, and it's like, dude, you just went and bought a shitty Starbucks freaking foam latte crap thing that was like in the movie Idiocracy for like four ninety five. Well, I don't, don't possibly bristle at like having this yeah. coffee that is like made specifically for you. And paying fifteen, twenty bucks, whatever it is, a pound, or, or you know, for the infused stuff with yeah. the CBD, right? Like it's cheap, really. And so, it's the, yeah, it's the top three percent of beans in the world, yeah. which matches Starbucks, right? And yeah. Starbucks is using five thousand pound continuous batch roasters that a kid hits the green button and it runs its cycle and then it dumps. <laughs> yeah, it's not a human watching and making micro adjustments and getting it exactly right. So I'm, uh, let's see. At thirty-four bucks for two pounds, which is the minimum to join, uh, I am either a dollar under or a dollar over their single origin coffees, depending on which one you get, because they don't line price. They, you know, so yeah. basically, I am matching the biggest producer on the planet of specialty coffee. I'm meeting them where they're at. So I, wow. I'm not asking anyone to pay a penny premium to join. It's actually a smoking deal. That's that's badass. I didn't realize that. I did realize this, though. Like, a lot of times people look at, like, somebody doing boutique custom roasting or whatever, and they look at their price, and they say, well, you know, I go buy really yeah. good coffee at the store, and it's, like, yeah. eight bucks a bag. But that bag is freaking eight ounces or ten ounces or something. It's, like, that's the yeah. game they've been playing in that oh, big food space it. with everything. They keep the price the everything. same or they raise it a little bit, and then they oh. reduce the size. So you get this, you know, bag of Fritos – And a bag is big, but when you open it, like, it's all air. And, and it's worse than that. If they don't reduce the size, they put in, like, basically filler sawdust. Yeah. And keep it the same. But, you know, does this change it enough where people can tell if it's changed? Oh, no. It's, Cotton it's seed meal or whatever, you know, any kind of filler that's, like, like basically a, a product that 10 years ago was thrown away. And, and right. now they're like, using they, it for humans. Let us put it in. Yeah, it's crazy. So, oh, yeah, big food is evil. It's just the epitome of pure evil. It's a 90, it's a 90 day cycle issue, right? They got to, they're living and dying for the next 90 day report. 
So yep, yep. whatever has to be done. And I come out of that done. space. That's exactly the truth. Like your whole life is judged on your quarterlies and your annuals. You're not even thinking yeah. in 2021, you are not thinking about 2020-22 until December. You're not even allowed, yeah, you can't afford to think about it until December. You will get fired for thinking about 2022 in August in 2021. You will lose your yeah, job you, if they catch you doing it. You, And I don't mean like they're reading your mind or anything yet. I'm saying like if yeah. you start pushing back with, well, we have to plan for next year and I have to think yeah. about the way I'm treating my distributors. And they're like, okay, so oh, you don't sure. want this job because all I give a shit about is September's numbers. I mean, I've literally yeah. heard that type of language used. Oh, it's yeah. We used to roll. That's why the uh, oh yeah, I stood up in, and when I was at Conagra headquarters with what a thousand sales reps in the giant auditorium, and like <laughs> <laughs> I was the bonehead who stood up and called, like said, you know, I think this is just wrong. Uh, <laughs> and the CEO got fired six months later. I because and then he sent an email out to ten thousand Conagraites, and I replied all. I was like, no, this is just. I'm not going to just pack semi trucks full of shit, put in a fake order, and roll it around the block, and then have it drop it back off at the plant tomorrow, so that we can all just pretend we did something. I'm like, yeah. that, that is that is the definition of fraud. And sure enough, SEC felt the same way I did. You know, I never had it that bad, but what we would do is we'd stuff our distribu distributors because I was in, you know, computer equipment, test equipment. So like, yeah, we take all, all of our all of our mid level yeah, distributors, stuff we'd stuff them. Like we get everybody to buy like ten of of three different testers, like thirty pieces of equipment. That doesn't sound like a lot, but these are like ten thousand dollar pieces of equipment. Like, and yeah. we don't have any orders waiting on the other side. But we stuff all the yep. distributors, and at the end of the next quarter, they're like, "We'll do it again." Like, they've only yeah. moved, they've only moved like half their inventory. Well, stuff yeah, that. It's like they don't want to buy it because they've they've done oh. their own forecast. You know, stuff them anyway. And it was like we're putting that on the books as business, and technically yeah. it's business, but it's not business because that distributor can turn around and return that inventory. Right, so and that's why we gotta right size things, right? Yeah. It's the whole permaculture thing, like limits to production and growth. Hello, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the 500 club. That's why it exists. That's why people should support it. it spread the word. Well, and it it, it 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 addresses one of the biggest problems we have right now: the the death of small business. Right, like I yeah, mean, just, the decimation to oh, the small I mean, business sector, and I. The sad thing is, and I, I bet you agree with this. I don't think it had to happen. I don't think small no. bit now brick and mortars, especially in you know Seattle, L.A., whatever. Okay, I get it. But yep, yep. if if Way you could if you could adapt at all, I think that the opportunities that came exceeded the downside. And I know people are going to like be fucking pissed at me, and I'll get cursed emails for saying that but damn it everybody i know that did it is in a better position today than when this started and i know it's easy to tell me like well jack you're a podcast when you talk about doom and gloom a pandemic is a godsend to you in some ways yes okay but like john dowie that does microgreens to restaurants right like yeah, if you want to talk about a guy getting kicked in the balls It's John Dowie, right? Like, you're selling yeah. microgreens to high-end artsy-fartsy restaurants 
they get literally shut down for 90 days, and then they open at like 20% capacity. And they're like, you know what? We're just not going to put freaking, you know, uh, arugula or radish greens on this thing right now. We don't need it, right? So he goes into like selling direct. Um, sets up like an honor system, like come buy vegetables here. Like, so he's selling microgreens, like vegetables. And like, he has a, yeah, yeah. people just come take it and put the money in. Nobody even, and no one steals from the guy. He starts like hustling. He made most of his money last year on, you'll love this, barrels. He found a source of like the poly blue barrels and he's selling yep. them as is and he's selling them converted to be used as rain barrels, all plumped. And he made oh. more money on barrels. Than he did on microgreens, and but he still made money on microgreens, and he's actually in a better position right now than when the pandemic started because he didn't sit in in a static situation. It's like okay, the, the situation went kinetic, so I'm going to go kinetic with the situation. And what so many people did is, well, I'll just wait for it to be over. I'll just buy ten yeah, extra yeah. bags of, of human food, ten extra bags of dog food, and get. And, you know, renew my Netflix and start binging and wait for it to be over. And then they're like, oh, damn, everything sucks. And, and I, I'll temper that again. I know there are if you owned a restaurant in Manhattan, the oh. level of ball kick you got here was tremendous. But personally, I would have bailed like when this once I realized they were going to do this. I would have sold it for whatever I could have got. And I if you can if you can make a restaurant work. You, you know, you're from the food industry. You can freaking do anything. A guy that can make a restaurant profitable can go into another business and be profitable in a month. And I don't care what the other business is because I don't know of anything harder than starting, building, and running a restaurant. And I mean that. I'm not doing hyperbole there. Like, it is, it is crushing. I've met people in Dallas that are multimillionaires from running restaurants. And they, they've told me flat out, I started making money on my fourth. So when they built yep. their fourth yep. restaurant, they actually started to be able to pay themselves more than minimum wage. And I'm like, how did, how did you live on minimum wage, right, for, for three years building these other three stores? And they're like, well, you know, minimum wage isn't that bad when you work 22 hours a day. Right. You know? That's the thing because you don't have any time to spend. It's, you know what? I, we were talking about that out working on getting this farm slash camp set up it's the same thing i like blowing every penny i have on everything back in right but once it's there once it exists the first time it exists right so it's only getting cooler with the a natural building guy named joel showed up and man he built uh, a kind of open v shape probably 60 foot uh, uh, wood slab topped bar with natural wood sides in a day and a half. <laughs> you know, it's, it's awesome. And that will always be there now. So now we, the next thing we, you know, it's, it's with any restaurant. So you, when you build stuff, it, it sucks and it sucks while you're doing it, but it's only hard once. If you can ride that out, if you get through the break of the wave, you got it. it yeah. It's fun, but it's deadly. <laughs> my buddy that put, oh my God, his everything into his brewery in Chicago. Uh, if anyone's in Chicago and you can go buy Kins Lager beer, um, everyone went ale, 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 ale for the last 20 years. So he opened up a pure lager brewery with uh -huh. just awesome lager beers. Um, but yeah, they got, I mean, they just, They had just hit, I think, their first month of positive territory when the effing 
stuff did. So, uh, Oak Park, Illinois, super awesome beer. It's in all the grocery stores out there now. Uh, throw them a bone. Yeah, I think like a lot of times people say the reason I don't do business with small business is that there's just not enough available. And I think it's go look. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, there's man, go on Agora dot market. Um, the guy that runs that's really cool. I've oh yes, float. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, yeah, if you have crypto or you just want to deal with real people local that are just focused on their business and not regulations, um, man, just look around. Go in the uh, go in the Freedom Cell groups too and ask. You know who's doing what um, at the next event. Actually, that's one of the changes we are going to make a giant giant whiteboard for like. I have these skills or I produce this X or I am working on this project so that people can just have a way to visually communicate what they are good at and don't mind helping with. And then other people can kind of look for stuff that needs help that they want to work on skills on. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, building community and working with folks. That's, You're either going to rely on the government to like just keep you alive with their little drippings, or you're just going to go out and have an awesome time and not sit around and just hope for one more day of misery. Hasn't it been fun to watch people freaking out that were newbies into crypto recently? Like, oh my god, Bitcoin's crashed all the way down to thirty-four thousand or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I, I almost I'm so happy to see that this morning. Yeah, because oh now I'm going to get more crypto when people buy stuff with it, right? Like, you know, when, yeah. when people are buying a fifty-dollar membership and it's like you get point zero 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 one three Bitcoin, you're like, that that's not very much, like. Um, but I almost made a meme today. I, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with South Park, like anybody in our world yeah. would be. And yeah. there's there's one where Randy, the Stan's dad, is really sick and he's laying on the ground. It's been used for COVID a bunch, where it's like, you know, there's a I've got COVID. There's only a 98 point, you know, 99.7 <laughs> survival rate. Leave me behind. All is lost. I'll never survive. Well, I was going to take that same graphic and I was going to have Randy saying. The Bitcoin I paid three hundred dollars for has crashed to thirty thousand. There's no hope. Leave me behind. Like yeah. it's like I, I'm I'm a big fan of of Michael Saylor's work in the 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 Bitcoin space. I think he's a little myopic on altcoins and whatever. But like what he's always said is no one has ever lost money holding Bitcoin for four years. And so well, if you're yeah. buying Bitcoin right now and you're worried about what it's going to be worth in August, you're probably not ready to buy Bitcoin yet. Right, like it's not really what you should be doing. He's like, I th one interview he said something, and I thought it was just brilliant. He's like, if I had, like, if I was like a person that didn't have billions already, I had like a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's all I had. What I would do right now, if it was possible, is I would buy Bitcoin and put myself in a coma for five years, so that I wasn't oh. tempted to touch it and like almost like travel through time. And you need to be thinking out at that that level with this right now. And I think it's uh, it's interesting just to see how many how many of the retail space people that came into that are like freaking out when what you should be doing with it is using it for commerce and stacking. Yep. And I think the just best thing it. that I think the best thing crypto's ever done it turned people into savers that weren't savers. It made people right. think. Before they spent, and you and I want people to spend money with us, but I also want yeah. them. To, I want people to spend money with me for the next thirty years, right? Like, it, I right. like my greatest feeling of success is when I get somebody that's like Jack. 
man, I've been a member since 2010, and my credit card expired, and my membership didn't renew, and I need to renew it now. I'm like, holy, so 11 years you've been a customer, and you and like you're going out of your way to stay a customer? Like, that's the business I want. Well, then, for that to happen, then my audience has to have fucking money, right? Because if they don't have fucking money, they're not going to be like, I don't need to buy this thing, right, from this guy, right? So, like, yep. I want my audience wealthy. Like, and I don't say that like a Tony Robbins or something, like, and you're going to break a board and now you're going to succeed in life. Like, I want my audience wealthy. I don't want only wealthy people in my audience. I want people to come in my audience to, over time, become wealthy, and I want to play at least a little part in it. For some, like, it's, it's the entire inspiration behind what they did, and some, it's, it's 1%. But I know if I'm 1% of that person becoming wealthy, then I got loyalty. And that's, like... Oh. That's like your model, your 500 project model is, is awfully close to that in a way because like if you can enrich somebody's life in any way, like really great quality food, really great quality coffee, um, something that touches them in a way that something from China can't, right? then you become yeah, integrated so, into their so life, want, right? Not the need, right? If yeah. you need coffee, buy my green coffee. Watch yeah. the video. I show you how to roast it. It's yeah. not hard. You can do it yourself. Save all that money. Put it in your pocket. If you need it, that's what you should be doing. If you want an experience, that's what I'm selling. And you're doing – now you brought the word experience in. Like you're doing shit with that too. Like you're doing – talk okay. about this because this is like another thing. Like there are people that they have this hobby and they can't figure yeah. out how to monetize it. Maybe they're great at reloading. Maybe they're great at wood turning. Like I've, I've seen so many people, they learn to use a lathe, they start making pens, oh. they sell about 10 pens, and then like in the end, it's just a fucking pen. But there are people that are like, if you if you could run an Airbnb experience, and people could come to your wood shop, right? right. Because and, and think about was, all the millennials. Okay. Like, stop. Like, real quick, real real quick on this. Like, just thinking about that, right? Because this popped into my head. Like. We need to stop busting on millennials and start understanding the opportunity they rec they, they represent. Yes. Like one of the most successful um, YouTube channels that I've seen, I don't remember what the guy calls himself now. It's like Pro Home Cooks or whatever, but it started out as Brother Green Eats, and the one brother wanted to go do his music and kind of left the channel to the other guy. They built their whole thing on millennials, teaching millennials like how to live on $7 a day but cook badass food. Well, why were yeah. they why were they able to do that, though, dude? They were able to do that because we have a generation of fucking kids that can't cook. Right? Like when I was when I was their age, young and poor, when I first came to Texas, I'd go to the fucking grocery store and buy, you know, a cheap mass-produced chicken, but I could for four days off that chicken. I could make all kinds of shit with that chicken for myself. And, like, you give a kid a chicken a day, and they look at it and go, why isn't it a nugget? But instead of bitching about that, he figured that out. So the fact that we took away shop class sucks, but think of the opportunity. How many, how many 20, 30-somethings that are technical people that make good money want to learn how to do something like that so that they can make cabinets for their house or some shit because they can't afford to buy them? And, like, so you do experiences. So can you explain how you yeah. can monetize these things that you're good at and passionate about with Airbnb? Because people think of it as just a way to rent a room or a house. Yeah, right. So, okay, so so I overheard this one kid getting down on himself, like, oh, I don't, you know, because it was basically like, hey, come on, let's make this a creator's thing. Like, everybody brings value. You could teach yeah. a class. Everyone can teach a class. And I overheard him like, no, nah, I don't, I don't have anything that I think I could teach. Now I was like, well, back up, <laughs> hold on, what do you do? 
he was like, well, 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 I'm a housing inspector. I'm like, how are you kidding me? How? <laughs> like, I'll get you a PowerPoint. We'll get you like 10 slides, like right now. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, wall thickness, R value, slope. Like, there's, you know, so, so yeah, in like five seconds. He's like, oh, I could, yeah, I could talk. I'm like, yeah, you could talk about that for half an hour. You'd entertain everybody. It would be great. Well, and like, um, so, like, an experience so, with that would be come with me while I do an inspection. While I do it, yeah. Right? And then when you if you want to be a real estate investor, You're able to look at the property the way the eventual appraiser is, or the, the yeah. inspector who's going to submit yeah. the inspection to the appraiser is. So then the next thing would be the appraisal. Like, so, like, those two yeah. guys could team up, and then you're basically doing more than that expensive real estate investor course that's just designed to siphon money out of your wallet and tell you to borrow money from right. your uncle. You're doing more than that on like a, a two day. Yeah, yeah. It's so Airbnb has this platform. So just use the platform. If you do anything, we all do. Think of stuff you do. People want to know it. Uh, Yeah. Like just if I'm going kayaking and I got I got an extra boat, I can easily take somebody with me. So you can put up on there like kayak tours of Dash Point State Park area. You know, hundred bucks on Saturday. I'm going out like two to six. Yeah. Um, Or or whatever. If you're good at My one buddy slays steelhead. I would. I keep telling him to like. He just lives in the woods. He doesn't need cash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know you can marry people up here for money, or you could like teach them to fish. Uh, but so it's out there. It's a great platform. So, gosh, just use it. it it's the if you're kind of like, eh, I don't want all the businessy stuff of starting a business. Just run it through Airbnb experiences. If you're going to do a service, then you're insured. They take all the BS. They pop you out at 1099 at the end of the year. You don't have to do really anything. And, I mean, I, I can't let that comment go by without pointing out that you can so game the tax system as soon as you start doing this that it's unbelievable. Oh, like, if, yeah, yeah, if, then if I bought, out, right? as a podcaster, for instance, if I bought a new brand of toilet paper and went on the air, and it doesn't matter if I say, you know, this made my ass feel perfect, Or this was like sandpaper, never buy this shit. That package of toilet paper just became tax deductible. I don't take it quite that far, but the fact yeah. that I could, like when you're when you're side hustling, you're running businesses, you're running either a straight up business, you're doing 1099 work, whatever. You, if you're smart, I should say, because people don't, if you're smart, you're in a completely different rule book for how much yeah, Caesar yeah. gets of, of what you're rendering on to him. Like this whole render on a Caesar, that which is Caesar's. My ass, though, I'll render on a Caesar's, that which Caesar makes me. And not one well, freaking shekel more, man. Like, no way. Like, I'm keeping my platform, shit. Right? Yeah. It's a white, it's a white black thing, right? The first mm. time they meet you is on the platform. Yeah. <laughs> All other times they meet you, you know, did mm. they meet you? We call that circumvention for those of you who are a little more switched on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't keep good records where I'm at all the time. Yeah, what yeah. I'm doing. yeah. Or maybe so. there's like a little adder or something, or you leave with like some more stuff, and then that was for cash. And then like if you can't figure that out, oh. you're probably not listening to the right podcast, right? Like, like that's okay. <laughs> and the other thing, so uh, the other thing that I did is on my so my website is Food Forest Farms. Super yeah. easy to remember. Food Forest Farms, three Fs, not the plural, or I'm the plural. Uh, you'll know when you get there. It'll be like, holy crap, crazy website. That's him. Um, so in the uh, in the shopping cart, I added gift to the farm. 
So if you think any of these insane projects are like, hell yeah, do more of that, and you want to make it happen and just add juice, and you don't want anybody to like get a little piece of it, uh, it says this is a pure 100% donation. It was not a trade for any good or service. This ah. is just for the farm. So if you just mash that button, uh, then keep all the greedy paws off of it, and projects move on. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, it, it yeah, reminds me of like we just people do every year randomly. I have no idea who. I thank you to whomever you are. You know, I uh, I I took Uber back from the airport when we came back from Florida. And whenever I yeah, take yeah. Uber, I always use this opportunity to spread, like, libertarian, agorist mindset where, yeah. like, you know, I'm in a good mood, too, because I'm coming home. The guy drove through shitty, yeah. nasty, rainy weather, and so I tipped uh, him 60 bucks, and but I yeah. tipped him in cash. And I said, this isn't a tip. And he's like, it's not a tip? I'm like, no. No, a tip would be revenue. This it's is a, a gift. gift. This is a gift between two private citizens that has nothing at all, technically, to do with the drive you just made through shitty weather to get me and my wife home safely. It's just a gift. So you do with that information what you want to do. And he was kind of a Middle Eastern guy. He goes, oh, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Of course you do. Of course you do, you know. Or like another one was like we took Lyft because Uber wasn't working when we went to uh, Liberty Forum a couple years ago me and my buddy and this guy had to drive us from Logan up to freaking New Hampshire because uh, because because Delta Airlines sucks and I'll leave it at that they're on the enemy's list right back. right like, so no he bought he's like I'm like well man this is a long drive why do you think he goes oh no it's perfect right he's like first of all I'm gonna make money on this trip then I'm gonna buy all kinds of shit in New Hampshire And I'm going to bring it back and sell it to my friends. So I get paid to drive up there and buy all this shit, you know, with lower prices, less taxes and everything. He was going to buy, like, cigarettes and booze, basically, and sell it to all his buddies. And I don't know who this dude was, but he was from, like, I want to say, like, Sri Lanka or some shit like that. Like, someplace where it never snows. Dude must have been a Zamboni driver in his former life because it snowed its ass off. And he was, like, weaving. He had this all-wheel drive Audi, and he was, like, weaving in between the snow plows. You know how like, they yes. line the snow plows up and oh, stagger them? My own heart. Me, me and David are just looking at each other like, holy shit. And when he weaved through there and he just kept going, David just looks at me yeah. and he goes, don't worry, Muhammad's got this. You know, like, yeah, this dude yeah, was amazing you driver. Plow, you got it. Yeah, if you can pass three plows weaving in between <laughs> oh them, you God. got it. You know, so like, it's, it's amazing to me how much opportunity is there for people to get out there and hustle. And have you noticed that too, that like, for every one of us, that was born and raised and bred in what is still the greatest place for opportunity in the world, America, there's 10 immigrants like us that will get out there and do whatever they got to do to make a living. And it just makes you realize, like, a lot of these people in this country, they talk about privilege. They don't realize you're looking in the mirror, dude. Like, you're not out doing these things. And I think it's basically because you have never experienced the alternative you don't see the opportunity or the reality. Like right. I, I was, I was talking to this dude at the airport when we were waiting to come back from Florida. Really cool guy. He was down there from Alaska to fish, and um, he was talking about it. And he was like, you know, he he just really seemed like he got that there's so much opportunity that nobody sees. And he was talking about these people that are making you know 600 extra bucks uh, a, a week on unemployment with the federal adder. But, like, pointing out, that's going to run out. 
Like, I don't fault anybody that took the money when they lost their job or whatever, but, like, if you have an opportunity and you're not seizing it, you can't rely on this to just keep coming in. It's going to stop at some point. Yeah, yeah, the music's going to stop. Make sure you got your eye on the chair. So let's uh, let's wrap up with some other stuff. You you had some stuff on your outline for me here. One, you've got oh, involved yeah. with Freedom Cells, Underground Railroads, and overall organizing. I think maybe we've hit organizing pretty solid, but what's up with the Freedom Cells? Yeah. And, and what's up? What are you, what are you running, slaves down uh, up past the Mason-Dixon? Or what do you mean by no, Underground Railroad? No, no, no. I don't know. I don't know where stuff's going. But, you know, uh, you <laughs> it's need going to think somewhere. About, like, well, my property happens to be 1.7 miles to a boat launch that uh, will get you in blue water in a couple of hours. Oh, okay. So there's an exit up north if anybody needs it. Hint, hint. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what way things are going. But, you know, uh, the, the, you know oh, oh, oh. One quick thing. This was super interesting. Um, smart contracts. Um, okay. Every vendor we had for this thing, because it was decentralized, right, and not organized loosely, almost a no organization, every vendor effed us in the rump with almost no time to go, so I couldn't recover. Um, so 24 hours to go, right? We paid an artist a while back for really cool art for our logo and stuff to put on stuff. Um, so 24 hours to go, we find out our T-shirt guy hasn't bought any inventory, let alone done the job. Mm. So <laughs> I know somebody's starting up a, a laser engraving 3D printing shop, and I didn't know if his gear was in or not. Uh, so I made the executive decision. We were all getting uh, laser engraved machetes. <laughs> <laughs> so we ran around like madmen all over Seattle, buying up every machete we could find uh, Wednesday afternoon and uh, got them to him and he got them done. So the people that came out didn't even perceive that anything had happened. So having plan A, B and C um, and then same thing. Uh, the DJ that was supposed to do the big effing show was having a blow up with his girl. So he didn't get on the airplane. So our main act blew us like going like the day before. And then the secondary band, didn't bother telling us that they don't actually own any audio gear until 12 hours before. Oh, my God. So, not to worry. I always have backup plans. So, <laughs> engage. It, it, nobody knew anything happened. If you were an attendee, you wouldn't know any of this. Um, so, if you're, you know, it's a matter of having, like, backup plans. But that has led us now down the road of the organizing committee. We are going to engage uh, smart contracts. So if you are going to do something for the event, we are going to pay you instead of doing it for free, right? Yeah. But if, if we're paying the band 500 bucks, they are going to put 500 bucks in to the smart contract. Then when they don't show, now I've got my 500 bucks to solve the problem, and I got an extra 500 bucks because now i got to solve the problem on a time crunch. Yeah. And throwing money, at, throwing money yeah. at shit gets stuff done. So... Uh, so yeah, so that going forward, the festival now will engage any pay for service with a smart contract where the vendor has to put up an equal amount because either I push green, it happened, they push green, it happened, they got all the money, right? Or I push, it didn't happen, they admit they didn't do the job and I get double the money back so I can go yeah. fix the problem, right? Or it, it is set up in advance. So if they say yes, I say no, or either way, it immediately goes to the arbitrator who reads the agreement. Yep. Can like inquire 
on their own. So, you know, there's a telegram channel for the event, right? So they could just go read the public chat, like, holy shit, the show didn't go on. Okay, well, obviously it didn't go on. A hundred people said it didn't go on. Yeah. Um, and administer the funds. So, yep, it, uh, I, you have to have a version 1.0 of something, right? So you can watch it blow up so that you can have a version 2.0. Uh, my wife, that, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love chaos because there is order in it if you just sit back and observe. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's things are going to get better progressively until this is an insane festival. But the uh, that is the learning that came out of that. Uh, there was a person there who is really deep into putting DAOs together. Um, so I think I'm going to reach out to her. Uh, but that it, that's all it's going. Yeah, that that uh, that will solve issues right with vendors. And then I yeah. it, it's a trust it's a trustless situation. Because it's going to hurt them really bad if they don't perform, and it'll give me extra juice if they don't, so I can fix it. Because I've always got a fix-it plan anyway. So, yeah, yeah. If you're putting together any kind of event, think of smart contracts. Once I figure out how to make it executable, I'll loop back and tell you how it worked. Cool. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I real quick snap to with events for anything critical, pay, <laughs> pay people. Hey, yeah. And that way you don't deal with, like, we, when we first did, like, the first couple oh. ones, we had people, like, they would volunteer to help in the kitchen or whatever. But, like, well, I want to see, I want to hear this presentation. Well, lunch is next. No. Lunch is next, right? Like, like, so we just found people, and we were lucky. We found a core of people that always yep. help us that, like, I mean, literally at one of our events, my wife's father passed away in the middle of the event. And, I mean, that's just an awful thing, but it's also, like, we have, yeah. we have 70 people here. We can't stop. And she was able to just go take care of everything, and the staff just everything rolled. And, and I was at that one. You oh, you were at that one. That's right. I yeah. didn't even know until Dave or somebody had told me like the yeah. day after. Yeah, no, I had no idea. I just I yeah. thought Dorothy was having a headache or a bad day, whatever. You know, just yeah. taking personal time. But yeah, that's it was imperceptible from an attendee standpoint. Yep, yep, and that's that's what comes with paying people. Um, real quick yeah. before I let you go, awesome. Hip Camp. Yeah. What is Hip Camp all about, and why should people care? Oh yeah, Hip Camp. It's just, it's Airbnb for land or for hmm. if you for own camping. any kind of land, any kind of farm. It's camping. So if you are about to go camping, download the Hip Camp app and look around for what's there. Um, when we blew down to float, I got a little tiny mini tow behind trailer now that's just a place to sleep. So there was one off I-5 that was uh, in the guy's circle gravel driveway by his horse corral. Um, just, you know, it was like pee behind a tree, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but it was 20 bucks. I didn't have to sleep in a, uh, you know, on the highway and uh, got a nice night's sleep and got rolling next morning. Um, I charge 38, whatever the state park is, 38 or 33, something like that. Uh, yeah. But the deal is... My ad is basically like at 10 o'clock when you're 10 feet away from your neighbor in the state park and you get the big shh, put that yeah. guitar away. Yeah. I say crank that up. You got 10 acres. Let's roll. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and in the state park, you put a beer on the picnic table or a bong and you're going to be getting frownies and ranger visits and shit. Yeah. I got private land. It's legal. Have fun. Jeez, do what you want. It's your life. And that is so, true. I remember yeah. back when I was young, and that was one of the cheap things to do is go camping. I remember yeah. one night we were up in Lake Murray. There was like five campsites. Three of them was us, and like the other two were people who like oh. were like, "Hey, what do you guys got going on?" So everybody within earshot of us, yeah, right, 
was involved and okay with it, and we still got we're like be quiet, you know, you got like your 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 fellow campers and all, and the, and the guys are like, it's us, we're all here, it's us. we're here, yeah, we're here, it's just us. Like the next campsite, because even like in clumps, it's pretty cool out there. Like the next yeah, clump yeah. is like half a mile away, and like, well, we still have the, our rules and all, so we're all, oh, you know, we're just like, oh, okay, so we're like, okay, there goes Barney. He's driving, you know, Barney Fife. He's got his bullet in his pocket. Yeah. He's driving down the road, and he's gone and turned the music back on. But like, yeah, why no. are you even bothering us, right? Like, so I think that like hip camp is the new, especially with the stupid shit. Like, we have a, I don't know how the parks are because I don't really use them that much anymore. But like, we have a nature center yeah. like three miles from here, and uh, we have a mask Karen who works the oh. front gate, who's oh, completely un. She's unnecessary to the entire operation. They could replace her with technology in 15 minutes for 400 bucks, right? Like, because you're a member to get in, right? So you'd have a card, you'd swipe it, and then it would let you in. And then if you had to pay, it would be just like the boat ramps are, where like you stick your credit card in, put how many people you have, it charges you. Like, she doesn't even need to be there. And she's telling my wife, yeah. yeah, she's telling me all the time, I tell my wife all the time, when you guys are out in the park, you have to wear your mask. It's like, And you say, okay, Karen, like, I'm not going to do that. No one does that. But she gets upset because we're in the car without a mask yeah. when she doesn't even need to touch us. Literally, we yeah. show her the card and she hands Through us a receipt window. to stick in our window, right? Like, like, I, and, and she, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, yeah. if, I would never camp with that kind of shit. I'm sorry. And I think so. That's yeah. another example. Like, I had Dennis Allen on. A, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He calls himself, I think. City boy homesteader, but he did the exact thing you're talking about with hip camp. He's got a place in Western PA. He set up like six sites on his property that are kind of, he calls them glamping, but I would say they're like halfway between camping and glamping. You know, it's like, yeah. he got some really badass, like vintage canvas tents, like 1950s, 1960s oh, stuff. Yeah. He built basic plywood decks and then put the tent on a deck so you're not in the dirt. He has nope. rocks. It's Pennsylvania. It's rocks everywhere. Made a made a fire ring oh. out of like you're talking like five minutes with a shovel and some and a wheelbarrow. You've made a, a fire ring, and like yep. when you show up, you've got a tent, you've got a fire ring. You're in an area where you you can do like you say you can do what you want because the next campsite's far enough away. And if you don't like it, don't come. If you don't like the person over there with the guitar or whatever, piss off. Go somewhere else. And yeah. he he does really well with that. You know, and, it, and you it, only it, have to build that once. Yeah, yeah. Like, hello, forever. To sing, to sing. And you can like, build, you can build two. And if they stay booked, build a third one. And if they still right. stay booked, build a fourth one. And if that stays, you know what I mean. So you scale into that. Yeah, and I think yeah. that, like, I think a lot of people figure, like, well, when COVID goes away, that business will dry up and people will go back to the state parks and all. I don't think no way. so. No way. Because once, once they you know ex it exist, they you, why would you go back? That's like once saying you know people are going to go back to taxis from Uber. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, 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 you know, when, when Uber came out and they're like, well, the only reason people use Uber is because it's less than a taxi. I'm like, well, I, I'm a snob. Uh, And I usually yeah. take like an Uber black because I'm, if I'm, if I'm using Uber, I'm taking my wife somewhere nice, right? So you I'm paying, car, I, right? I'm paying more than a cab, but you know, I get a thing that says Mark is in route and will be at your location in 13 minutes. And I can watch Mark on my screen come to me and I can see how he's been rated. If he has like two stars, I can go cancel, right? I don't want Mark and I can get a driver that doesn't suck. How's a taxi? No, okay. Taxi and can't so, compete with that. 
like using the same property, right? The permaculture thing for multiple uses. So yep. now I put a real bathroom that has service. So I'll just support a potty, but it has pro service. So it's cleaned and empty yeah. and all that. Yeah. Uh, my brother dumped his A-frame uh, Coleman camper out there. That's got a fridge and a you know heater and all that. So now I'm going to list that on Airbnb as a separate property. I got so you. for people that want me to go out, set it up, get all working together, I'm going to charge a lot. Sure. Right? But they'll be camping with campers from hip camp. Yeah. <laughs> they're paying almost nothing because they're just playing in the trees. Right. Yeah. But everybody can coexist at the same place at the same time on two different platforms. And they won't even know it unless they go around the big communal campfire and have a little, you know, have a chit chat. Yep. Yep. And I, I look at this as like people are always saying, how can I afford to buy land? Here you go. Yeah, that's how. Here you go, right? Here you go, right? Like if you do that and you don't even make any money at the end of the day, but you pay for your property, how so freaking valuable is that? There, yeah, I hauled out eleven thousand pounds of trash, um, right? And then I put people on there that were going back and forth. They were living in all three state parks, right, for twenty-one yeah. days and just yeah. keep moving three miles down. So I was like, why don't you come live on my place for less? And as soon as you occupy the space, people will just stop throwing trash because they're not going to drive past you to go throw garbage bags on my way. Oh, I got you. It so. wasn't your. It wasn't your tenants. It wasn't your customers. No, no, it, was, it was people yeah, throwing was shit out of the cars. Yeah. Uh, I could buy more crack today, or I could pay the garbage bill. So yeah, 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 yeah. Throw yeah, it yeah. in the field. Go. Yeah. So uh, so as soon as they occupied space, that stopped, right? But they actually pay me twelve more dollars a month than my mortgage payment. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, it, we're good. It's, we're it's good. Done, so yeah, it, we're good, man. Yeah, this has been it, this uh, has been a fun discussion. Um, I have a bunch well, of links from you. Uh, I've got your coffee club. I've got thanks, Jack. All your stuff that's all in the show notes today, so people can look it up and find out. This was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed our discussion. Uh, thanks for taking time to be with us today, dude. Thanks, Jack. I always appreciate it. I'll see you as soon as I can. All right, man. Well, I'll tell you what, I always enjoy talking to Brian. I, I know y'all took some good stuff away from that. And uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you guys, if you want to help support this show, there's a couple ways to do it. The easiest and most painless one of all, because it doesn't cost you any money you weren't going to spend anyway, is when you're going to do your online shopping. Just start out at tspaz.com. It's really easy to remember. It's not even a lot of letters to type. It'll add about three seconds uh, to your efforts to, to procure things online, tspaz.com. Just type that in and start your online shopping there. Today I have for you the LizQ Premium Pellet Smoker Tube. Now, if you're thinking, Jack, didn't you used to endorse the Cave Tool Smoker Tube? I did. The damn thing has not been in stock for six months, and I have come to the conclusion that it's not coming back at least anytime soon. And I've also... You know, I'm starting to, you know, like, summer's here. I'm doing a bunch of cooking now. I use my pellet smoker tubes all the time. And it's just too damn good of a tool for me not to have one in the T-SPAS catalog. It's too versatile. So I went through and I looked at literally dozens of these things. And the one I found, is, again, is made by a company called LizQ, L-I-Z-Z-Q. And Am I as happy with it as I am with my cave tool smoker? Not really, but it's not that big of a deal. It's pretty damn good. It doesn't have quite as much capacity, so you get five hours of smoke time if you fully fill it versus eight you could get out of the cave tools one, which if you can't get it, it doesn't matter. 
Um, otherwise, it's great. It's an octagon one instead of a square one. That doesn't really matter. What I like about it is the heavy gauge of the steel. I'm going to tell you, it's about a foot long, and you could literally beat somebody to death with it. And, and that, to me, is how I judge the quality of steel in something like a pellet smoker. And here's why. I've tried a variety of these things, and they all tend to work okay, assuming they get the airflow right, and most of them do. But what happens is they get hot, because when you're burning something, it gets hot. And if the steel gauge is too thin, it starts to warp, it starts to weaken, and eventually it burns through, and you throw it away. And generally, I find that these, these smoke tubes last about a season. Now, I cook a lot, but they last about a season. If you use this thing properly, it's going to last years and years and years. And instead of being eight to ten bucks like most of them are, it's about fifteen bucks. And to me, that just is the you know, always be frugal, never be cheap scenario. What is the lifetime cost of the tool? Plus having something that actually freaking works. This thing's awesome, and all I'll say is please follow the directions on how to use it. Right? It tells you exactly what to do and what not to do, and if you follow those directions, it'll work just fine. Um, I do wish I could still recommend the Cave Tools product. And if they ever bring it back, I'll put it back in the catalog. But when something's gone for six months, I just have to accept the fact that one way or another it ain't coming back. Um, this one I found, because it has 7,000 plus reviews, 4.5 stars, and I always read the negative reviews on a product like this. And when the negative reviews are written by people with an IQ under 70, I kind of write them off. That was the case here. Um <coughs> I look at it this way. If you don't know how it works, you didn't read the instructions, it's not the product's fault. And if you're blaming the post office or UPS for the manufacturer's problems as a manufacturer problem, then, then your opinion is not really warranted either. And that's what those types of things were. People seem very happy with this. And I was like, I still can't recommend it without buying it. It's 15 bucks. I ordered one. So I don't really need it because now I have two. Uh, but I used it a couple times, tried it out. And I really like it. And and I always try to recommend products on T-SPAS that I would spend my own money on. And if I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't recommend that you did. So check it out today. If you do not have a pellet uh, smoker tube in your arsenal and you like to cook outdoors, you're just missing out on so much. And uh, I'll have some videos coming out uh, in the future with different things you can do with smoker tubes. But it doesn't really take a lot of... Uh, thinking to figure out how do you smoke flavor on meat, guys. Uh, what I do like about them is you can cold smoke with them. You can take your grill, not light it up at all, fill one of these things up with as much pellets as you think you need, set it up, get it going. Once it starts running, put it on one side of the grill, and take something like cheese and put it in cold smoked cheese or cold smoked fish. You do not have to run the grill to work this thing. And it won't be ice cold, but it will be cold. It doesn't throw out that much heat by itself, uh, especially over distance. And one real tip with these things, there's temptation people have to put them over flame. Put them on a cold spot of the grill. Even if you're cooking with heat, put them on a cold spot in the grill. Think of it like, think of the tube, the tube being over indirect heat. You light the pellets with a torch, you let them burn for a while, you blow it out, you turn it outside, you let it smoke. It runs its own thing. It does not need heat under it. If you get flare-ups, some of the people with the one-star reviews, if you put it over super hot coals or super hot burners, it will catch the wood on fire because what's flammable, that's why we can get smoke out of it. And just saying. Anyway, the other way you can help us become a member of the MSB, use the discounts, get your money back and make some money every year. Learn more about that by going to survivalpodcast.com uh, and clicking on Members. And I guess I forget to say this uh, very much anymore. Law enforcement, uh, Peace Corps, first responders, military, active duty, or prior service, if you email me before you join, 
at jack at the survival podcast.com with TSPC service discount in the subject line. Tell me about your service in one or two sentences. I don't need a whole resume. I don't need a CV. I don't need an ID. I've done this on the honor system for 13 years now. Uh, I will send you a discount code and you will save money on something that already saves you money. Uh, with that, let's wrap up with our song of the day today. We are in Willie Nelson week and have been all week and will be until Friday. This is probably my favorite Willie Nelson song. It was also Willie's first number one hit. It's one of those songs like sometimes we play songs by really famous people that are not well known. This is, I think anybody that hadn't been living under a rock their entire life has heard this song. It's Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. Um, Willie said that this song, um, along with Always on My Mind, were difficult songs to play to live audiences without getting involved in them and emotional. And that's not because he wrote the song and had somebody in mind. Uh, a gentleman named Fred Rose wrote this song. So Willie wrote some great songs, but he didn't write this one. What Willie said is, you get emotionally involved, but the audience gets emotionally involved. And then the emotions feed each other. I think every great entertainer, uh, whether they're musicians, speakers, whatever, has felt audience energy. It's actually, to me, as I've been a public speaker for a long time before I started the podcast. It was the hardest adjustment. When you're talking to a microphone and being recorded, and not interacting directly with people until after you publish it, you lose that. It was a big adaption. So I understand this energy exchange that goes on between someone up on a stage and then people in an audience. And with a song like this, I can imagine that it was even more so. In fact, he said it was one of the things that led him to being kind of too much of a drinker, especially in the 70s. And what this song is about is... Kissing a love goodbye, never seeing them again and knowing you wouldn't, but then being an old person, an old man, knowing that it's about time to cross over and to go on to the next level, whatever that is, heaven, whatever it would be, and thinking back about all the time since you said goodbye and hoping you'll see them again on the other side. You can see where that would be emotional for people. And when I went and looked at the comments in the video for this on YouTube, there was one that particularly hit me. The person said, I sung this song to my son as he laid dying in a hospital bed. And I think this is one of those songs that magically touches everybody because everybody at some point in our lives, whether it was that tragic or just the circumstances of life where two people decide it's not going to work out, has said goodbye to someone we still love, and knowing we would never see them again, at least in this earthly plane. And that, guys, you know, it seems depressing, but to me it's just more and more fuel to that fire of making the most of what you have while you have it available to you. Make the most of your dash. Get out there and hustle. Build your life build your relationships, build your family, build all the things we talked about today. You will have to say goodbye to some people and some things at times. But never quit, never stop, never give up. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. In twilight glow I see Blue eyes cry and rain when well.
by and far I knew we'd never meet again Love is like a dying ember And only memories remain I'll remember Blue eyes crying in the rain Blue eyes crying in the rain. 